This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples, UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to podcast episode 321. We are the Fight Disciples. Uh, this one is dedicated to the world of boxing. And if you've only just come across us, you can subscribe to us via iTunes and you can get uh, all Android feeds on our website, fightdisciples.com. Social media, by the way, is at Fight Disciples on Facebook and Twitter and at The Fight Disciples on Instagram. Um, I've quite enjoyed listening to the programme from a sun lounger. It's been quite nice. Um, You're lucky you got to listen to the programme. No, extremely good job. Me, uh, Mr. Bellew last week went down a little treat. Nice to hear Mr. Till as well in uh, in in wonderful spirits. For those that uh, don't listen to us on a regular basis, we don't just do a boxing show. Uh, we do a mixed martial arts, mainly UFC show as well. So Darren Till's been uh, with Nick. Uh, Tony Bellew's been with Nick. Are you spotting the theme so far? Just basically he's going... Frampton. Ne- uh, not Frampton, sorry, Warrington. Well, I was leaving Warrington out Warrington. until the end, right? Because if you were spotting the theme there, basically Nick just goes next door on the same street that they all live on, <laughs> knocks on and see if they fancy having a bit of a chat. Um, I'll tell you something, though. Um, never mind the podcast of uh, of the Josh Warrington conversation. What about the video, the setting? Where are you two knocking about now with the old silver service? It's changed. Josh, I don't get invited to that nonsense. It's Josh just changed. Adam, you can come to the gym. When Nick goes over, oh, no, come down to the Regal Palace. <laughs> you would literally... Fucking awesome it was. You, you actually stopped the interview for some silver service breakfast or whatever you were having we there, weren't you? To eat, yeah. Silver service tea. Yeah. Tea strainers, the lot. No Yorkshire tea bags in uh, Josh Warrington camp these days, let me mm. tell you. Tell you something. No mugs there, sunshine. All the nice. finest china. It was Alton Hall Golf Resort Hotel. Apparently they're one of his sponsors. Like So whenever Josh needs to do some stuff, he uh, he, he, he jumps in there and gets him full full in. Proper tackle. That's all right, that, isn't it? Yeah. Were you in there for uh, for a massage and a, and a sauna and a I steam and all that? A, there was a resident golf pro fucking throwing free lessons about it. I wish he'd taken me was back it? with me and all that. There you go. Um Listen, fantastic. Uh, really good to uh, listen to that whilst on a sun lounge, and I'm sure uh, loads of people have enjoyed it as well. We've got a little bit of something coming up for you at the end of the show, by the way. If, uh, part of our community, because I'm seeing loads of tweets and bits of social media where people are obviously purchasing uh, the stuff off the websites, whether it be hoodies and socks and various things like that. But this week, as you know, Lomachenko's rolling into town. We're all going to be in London, so I think it's only fair that we have a little bit of a get-together. But we'll talk about that at the back end of the show. Just before we move on to some boxing chat, I have to tell you this, because I know you'll appreciate this type of uh, uh, story that I'm going to tell you from my recent break, mate, having two young kids yourself, right? Yep. Now, obviously, you know my little lad. He's six years of age, and he's, uh, he's mischievous. To say he's mischievous is a little bit of an understatement. Now, whilst we were away, it was his birthday. Yep. Um, and he's been bugging me. He's been bugging his mum. Um, because he nicks our phones, he nicks our iPads for his YouTube and his games and all that type of stuff. So we thought, Do you know something? Now's the time you can have your own little tablet. So it's yours then. Yep. And then you don't have to ask us and you're bugging us, right? So he gets this tablet for his birthday whilst he's abroad. Now, you download his games, you put him on his YouTube, you think to yourself, we've cracked it. Look yeah, at yeah. him now, quiet there. He's enjoying himself. I can get ready for my night out. In absolute peace. However, what I didn't dis- realise at the time is that he discovered the camera operation on, on the on the iPad, right? <laughs> okay. So he sat down on the settee in the apartment that we were staying and it looks like he's watching YouTube. It looks like he's playing a game, but secretly he's taking pictures of everything. <laughs> now, 
I've seen the camera roll and there's like pictures of his sister eating a breakfast and all that type of thing. However, also on the camera roll, there's pictures of his dad out the shower and there's pictures of his mum fresh out the shower. <laughs> Stealth uh, peeping Tom, we like to call him, right? So that's basically what he's been doing. Fast forward a couple of days after his birthday and my mate lives out in Ibiza and we thought to ourselves, right, go on then. We'll go and meet up for a bit of a, an afternoon drink. We'll go to a nice little bar, a nice little beach bar. We'll have a bit of a catch up, job rate. Now, we're having something to eat. And my boy says to me, Dad, can I have my iPad? Because this adult conversation is boring me a bit. Yeah, no problem whatsoever. Whips out his iPad, gives him the iPad, sets him up on the Wi-Fi. I'm thinking to myself, sweet, I'll have a couple of beers with my mates now. We're sweet as a nut. About five, ten minutes after I'd done that, my phone starts vibrating. So I picks my phone up and somebody is airdropping a picture to my phone. And it's a picture of me fresh out the shower. <laughs> and I looks to my left and he's laughing his head off. <laughs> He goes, I've just, I've just sent you a message, Dad. I've just sent you a message. I said, I can see you've sent me a message. How have you discovered that airdrop on, on, his, on his thing? Best bit. About 30 seconds after he'd done it to me, a woman from the other side of the bar walks over and says, I think I should make you aware of this. And shows, a, shows me a picture of me, absolute stark bollocker, that he's just airdropped onto her phone. I gets onto his iPad. I said, what have you done it? He sent it to every single person that had an iPhone in the in the bar. <laughs> he has sent a picture of my tallywhacker to everybody. <laughs> Luckily, I'd had one or two, so it, yeah. it, 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 it took the edge off it a little bit. That's hilarious. Good job it were a warm day, that's all I'll say. I was just going to say, yeah, we had him. Hey, we had him. Can you imagine if he'd have, done, if he'd have sent pictures of his mum? Honest to God. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus. There you go. So have you taken the, I, uh, you know... How'd you get how'd you get around that then? Well, you've got to get rid of the you could take Bluetooth off it, so it, it won't bring up the but then how'd you, yeah, but you've got to connect to the Wi Fi, innit? I need to know this information actually, because I had Alex on his iPad uh, when we were away. Listen, once they dis- once they discover that, mate, you're knackered. Because that's his thing, is taking, you know, yeah. about a trillion photographs. Yeah, that's what he's been doing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Just make sure you cover up when you come out of the shower. That's hilarious. Otherwise you're gonna be giving people a little bit of a treat, aren't you? <laughs> <clears throat> Are we, uh, are we starting with Lions in the camp? Lions in the camp! Or I tell you what, that was hilarious. Every time he landed a shot, you just heard it in corner, coming out at corner. The weird you? bit was the weighing. Because they had that weird face-off for ages. And they just kept yelling it. And Tundi just kept shouting, I don't Lions think it, in the camp! I don't think it's Tundi. I think it's just part of the team. They all just yell it. So they're all just sat there going, Lions in the camp. Lions in the Absolutely the most, especially during the fight. Every time he lands a shot, though. Yeah. Rather than celebrate and go, yes, or more of that, or whatever it may be, they just yell, yeah. Lions in the camp! <coughs> I, um, obviously, I was impressed by Yard. I thought he was, for a guy who's, who's a relative novice, a 30 fight novice, to go to deepest, darkest Russia, we said in, throughout the entire build up, he deserves all the credit in the world, and I maintain that as well. And yeah, he did get found out at levels, but he had this opportunity and he fucking went for it. So I'll never, ever, you know, be upset with Yard because he took, he, he waited patiently for his chance. He was never going to outbox Kovalev. Everything everyone realizes that, but he had a puncher's chance. And if you're a puncher, you've just got to try and you've just got to roll the dice. And when that chance comes, and he did, he rolled the dice when the chance come, and he just, just unfortunately didn't get that extra shot that he needed to put Kovalev down and potentially put him out. Because we all watch the commentary. You know, Buddy McGee said to him, "If you take another shot like that, I'm pulling you out of there." That's how close Yard was to winning the fight. And throughout all the build-up as well, I've loved Tunde. I've, I think it's, he's like a breath of fresh air. It's been something different. It's been good the way he's been 
There's a reason why Tunde behaves the way he does, and that's to take the pressure off Yard. So everyone's looking at Tunde. All the pressure was on Tunde. It was Tunde's system. It's System 9 that's got Yard here, not Yard's ability. It's all about can System 9 beat Kovalev? That, that was like the whole rhetoric behind it. So we come out of it now going, fucking Yard's got loads of ability, and this is just the beginning for him. Pfft, system 9's a bit of a joke. Well, great, because that's what Tunde wanted, because the... Anthony Yard comes out of it now, smelling the roses, and okay, Tunde's got the shit on his back a little bit, but still, that's kind of the point of why Tunde was behaving the way he was, in my opinion. All this, like, we don't spar at all, all this nonsense. It was all about taking the pressure off Anthony Yard, and you can't beat up on Yard or Tunde for that. Mm. I think it did its job. Ultimately, watching the fight, when Yard's going back to the corner after four rounds, and he's, you know, I think the fourth round, he took a bit of a hide, and he did all right for the first three, and then he got, took a bit of a hide in the fourth round, and he goes back to the corner, and Tunde's giving him no information. That worried me. That's when I'm starting to think, aye, aye, wait a minute. System nine paused here or what? Yeah, yeah. That, that concerned me. But I understand the whole system nine. I, I understand, um, in terms of Tunde, the way he sells it, I understand it's to take the pressure off Yard. Is it? You're seeing it as a take the pressure off Yard, or is it all about him? I, well, do you know what? I don't think it is all about him. I think it's, and I know he's taking a lot of stick for it, and that that's kind of the point of the way he was being so vocal. But that there was points there, and especially at the end of the fourth round, that's when it did get concerned. Because I know Tunde's getting a lot of shit at the moment, so people are going, he's a fucking joke, he's a fraud, his whole system's bollocks and all this stuff. I don't agree with that. I think, you know, he's done it for a reason, and the reason was to take the pressure off Yard. But it did concern me at the end mm. of the fourth round when he had nothing to offer Yard in the corner. That's not what you want from a corner man. For me, the best corner ones, corner men are the people that say nothing for the first 20 seconds. Yeah. Have you got, there's a Get drink. your breath. Sort yourself out. Get your breathing growing. No information at all for the first 20, 30 seconds. They're the best corner men. And then with 30 seconds to go, second half of the break, then you go, listen, dun, bum, bum. And you just give you three, three or four pointers. I hate guys that go ballistic. I hate guys that are fucking effing and blinding and just three things. Are you okay? Yes. Here's some drink. Get your breath back. In, out, in, out. Right now, listen. One, two, three. Boom. Go back to work. Mm. That, that, for me, that's the, that's the epitome of a great corner. Tunde did the first bit, but didn't follow up with any information. Yeah. At all. Now, listen, if Tunde was here now, he might argue, well, he, I, he doesn't need information from me because the system nine is drilled into him, all this other kind of rhetoric. I don't buy that. I don't buy that any kind of system is built for you to lose every round and get a puncher's chance. That's not a system. That's luck. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's a lottery. So I don't believe the system was in full effect, if you like, if the system is actually a thing. This system has taken uh, (laughs) a lad that's had 12 amateur fights. That was his 19th professional fight, I think, at the weekend, was it? Something like that? Yeah. Um, to To the stage of fighting... The biggest name might not necessarily be the best light heavyweight from from a lot of our general consensus, but most certainly the biggest name in the light heavyweight division uh, into his own backyard. And like you've just said, to be one or two punches away from actually becoming a world champion. Now, he was, for me, absolutely outboxed for the first six rounds. Seventh round, there's an argument that you could give it to Yard. It's It's a close round. Eighth, he most certainly wins, and then he's outboxed for the rest of the fight. So you could categorically give him one round in that World Championship fight before it all gets finished. Well, I, I personally yeah. believe now there has to be a change. Now, I'm not saying that Yard has to get rid of Tunday and, and he has to bring in another trainer. There has to be a change to the thought process of how they approach fights now. 
if all this is true, that they don't do sparring and if it's just tippy-tappy pads and he doesn't do any high-intensity stuff, fair enough. for Brit- They know that that works now for British and European level because they've got to that level. They've done that. That's great. But now we're talking about the elite level, that just getting over the line, going to the next stages. And we saw in that fight, he has a huge amount of stones, mm-hmm. loads of heart. He can take a dig and he's got power. But that's not enough at the elite level. You need you need those fundamentals of, of, of being able to implement your style on a fight early doors because you can't give away six rounds. You just can't do that no. and, and, and try and rely on whacking somebody out in the seventh and eighth round. No, you can't. But then... I would argue the only thing he was missing yard was experience. It's the only thing that was missing. The experience to be able to implement your game plan, the experience. All right, then. All He's right, never going to outbox Sergei Kovalev, ever. Kovalev's got way too much ex- experience and has got has way too many fights and it's programmed right, into him okay, to have that ramrod so, jab. Like, so, that jab's a weapon. So would... How would Boatsy fare against Kovalev? Well, it'd be a um, good point. It'd be a completely different fight. But ba- Boatsy, I think... But he hasn't got the experience at that level. No, he hasn't. But Boatsy has got a completely different style, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying. So something has to change. Rather, Something has to change within the camp. And I think Tundi's earned the right to be able to implement the change. I'm not saying go and get a new trainer and come up with a new style. I'm saying they can't go back now and do the exact same things again in order to expect a different result. That's what I'm saying. If you're going to compete at this level now, and that's where I'm anticipating that they want to remain, competing at the very highest level, they have to change certain things in order for him to go on and achieve world championship status. Because he's got all the things that you can't teach. He showed that at the weekend. Look at this. Look at everything about the fight week. He was so relaxed. I mean, his bags didn't turn up. He didn't have hot water. He was unbelievable all week. He gained yeah. a lot of fans all week. Incredible. He's doing his ring walk, and he's like he's turned up at a Drake concert. You're thinking... Bloody hell, is this kid fighting in his first world title fight in Russia? This is mental. Absolutely. Temperament, 100% tick, tick, tick. Brilliant. And in the fight, didn't look phased at all. Rolled the dice, went for it, all those things. But I just think there's a couple of... I think he's easy to be hit, to be fair. He took too much to the face, didn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe defence needs to be worked on, something like that. I think Tunde has earned the right to be able to implement that. But if it does... If they don't change it, then Anthony Yard's got to look at it and go, this is my career and I might I might need to take a step in a different direction in order to come back to World Championship fights. I, to be honest, I think it's a bit, again, reiterate, I was concerned that Tunde wasn't giving him information when he really needed it most when I thought, you know, after four rounds. However, to go back to what you were saying before, 18 fights, never gone past, what, seven rounds, eight rounds before? Mm-hmm. It it was just the step up in class, you know. He's gone from very much an international level to top of the tree world title level against the guy. By the way, Kovalev in his backyard. It was going to take something fucking incredible to beat Kovalev in his backyard for the first time in whatever twenty years. Never mind the sure falling experience. Never mind the sure falling in boxing ability. It was like everything was stacked against Yard here. If that fight takes place in London or even takes place in like Atlantic City or something like that, does Kovalev manage to survive that eighth round? Does Kovalev manage to come back the way he did in the ninth without that home crowd, without looking over his shoulder and seeing people he went to school with and his parents and whatever else back in fucking uh, Shabalinsk? I think the moment got Kovalev through that rocky point, um, I think Yard, of course, went for it. I, I will never... 
I never poor scorn on Yard because he went for it. No, he took us. Yard's done nothing wrong. He absolutely had that opportunity in the eighth, and he fucking went for it. So I've got no, no qualms whatsoever about saying he he did. He probably he probably over exceeded most people's expectations when the fight was first announced. I know we all kind of got caught along with the with the Tunde fucking gravy train, and we started drinking from the Kool Aid a little bit. But you know, I I put some things out at the weekend, some odds. But when I had a bet. I thought Kovalev would probably get up off the floor and win this easy. I thought he'd win by a mile, mm. and, he, and he was winning by a mile. And he was lucky he wasn't dropped. Um, so my bet wasn't fought too far off. But I think right now, to, to suddenly put Tunde out there is expected. But I just think it's a little bit undeserved, just because, you know, as you say, do you think Tunde that they got him to where he should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but do you think that that, that, that type of training... When every every other person in the world of boxing, fighters and trainers are looking at it and go, that doesn't work. He's had a go at it and he's got to a yeah. certain level. What I'm saying is that he just now needs to maybe bring himself more in line with other things that are going on in other gyms. But he's never going to do that, is he? Because he, he professes that this he's built this new system, which is perfect. Now, this system, he, Tunde will argue this week, the first time Systems 9's been in a world title fight. First time it's been at the very peak of the sport. Needs a, twi- a slight tweak, that's all it is. Just needs a little tweak here and there. You could argue, how the fuck did he get his guy to a world title fight after a total of 30 fights using this system? Does that not mean the system's fucking amazing then? How did he get him here? After 30 fights? He's guys a novice, an amateur novice. 18 fights straight, he's got him to a world title fight on the biggest stage using this system. Fuck me. I don't know many fighters after 12 amateur fights had a world title fight. Looked as good as Yard did. Or looked as capable as Yard did. Mm. The stuff in... You're right. Watching the fight, the stuff there where you're thinking... Like, first three, first three rounds, I'm thinking, okay, nice start from Yard. He's lost every round, in my opinion, but he's, he started well. He's slipping shots. He's all right. He's, he's taken a few shots, but I wanted to see him take a shot anyway. Doesn't seem to be bothering his confidence at all. Um... And then <clears throat> I thought he lost the he lost the fourth quite convincingly, and that was the point where I thought, okay, now I want to see something. Now you need to don't let this run away with you. And it did, unfortunately, the fight did run away with him. But one of the fight disciples was messaging on Twitter. I don't know if you noticed it, um, and he was obviously over in the US. But he was like, "I was what's the commentary like? I've got Andre Ward commentating here," and I was like, "Oh, BT guys have got it. You know, a landslide to Kovalev after four rounds." And and he was like, "No, no, Andre Ward. Andre Ward scored this two-two. He quite he kind of likes what he's seeing from Yard. He likes what's. Don't get me wrong. I think Ward and Kovalev have, got, have still got a little bit of needle between them. So I don't think Ward's going to do Kovalev any favors at any time. But interesting that you know, one of the pound for pound greats out there is seeing something in Yard where he's he actually had the fight split after the first four rounds. I'd say you else has seen something in Kovalev. Let me tell you, Canelo. Yeah, man. He is just seeing a ticket money to becoming another weight world Boy, champion. Right. And uh, and cashing in some serious coin and fair play to Kovalev because he'll he'll make some serious yeah. brick off the back of that as well. But for me, watching Kovalev at the weekend, he's absolutely made for Canelo. I think Canelo will have his wicked way with him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think Canelo is just a little bit too fast and a little bit too elusive for him. And I think what was clear at the weekend is that Kovalev is not the same Kovalev that beat Andre Ward first time around. That he can be hit. Um, I think looking back, Yard and Tunde will probably kick themselves that they didn't commit to going to the body a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know that the story is about Kovalev and he likes to drink and he likes to party and stuff like that. Well, when you're when you're coming up to your fortieth year, 
you, you're susceptible to the body and you, you've got to work downstairs. It's money in the bank. I don't think Yar put enough money in the bank early on. Had he done so, I don't think Kovalev would have survived that eighth, ninth round, whatever it was. So uh, I think Yard will, they will kick themselves slightly. But again, I, I just refuse to beat up on Yard and Sunday because, man, they fucking went out there and they went for it. They rolled the dice for it. And um, especially when you look back and you and you realise that Canelo offered them a million, same same as Pierce, basically, mm. a million dollars mm. to walk away from the Kovalev fight rather than going to deepest, darkest Russia. Because Yard could have gone, okay, I'll bank that million quid. I'll go and fight an opponent in London. And I'll wait for the winner, or I'll wait for um, even more likely Canelo to to win, and then give that belt up to move back down to middleweight, and then I'll fight for the vacant belt, and then I can do you know Frank done it for years with Calzaghe and Ricky Hatton. I'll defend in London for the next five or six years against fucking opponents that need googling and make a fortune and call myself a world champ. He didn't do that. Yard didn't do that. He went no fuck it. I don't want the money. I'm gonna snuff the money. I'm doing it for destiny, and I want to go to Russia and I want to beat him there. Good on him. What does he do next? Yard. Um, there's some big fights back at home. Obviously, the Callum Johnson fight's a big fight. A big fight. Um, and it's one that I'd love to see him in because I rate Callum Johnson, but I also rate Anthony Yard. Uh, I think Buatzi is probably better than both, but I think him against Callum Johnson back on back in the UK would certainly be an interesting fight. But there's there's other big fights out there. You know, he's got he's got a mark on his back now a little bit, Yard, because he's the guy that almost stopped Kovalev. So people want to use him as a stepping stone. So the last thing he, he needs to worry about now is uh, getting opponents. But they'll, they'll have a plan for him. You know, they, they wouldn't have gone to deepest, darkest Russia completely blind. Frank will have a plan that will go, OK, this is how we're going to come back. This is how we're going to rehabilitate. And if, again... Canelo, as we expect, fights Kovalev in the new year, becomes world champion. He gives that title up, no doubt. Moves straight back down to middleweight or even super middle for a Callum Smith fight. Then it's, I can see them putting Yard back in the frame to fight for that vacant belt. And you know what? It, he, he would deserve a, va- a shot at the vacant title as well. Are you uh, buying any tickets for Roy Jordan Jr.'s next concert? I was, <laughs> I was watching that on my phone because I was like, fuck... I didn't realise if you bought a ticket to see Roy Jones live, you got a free Kovalev on the yard ticket. That's it. Um, it would have been amazing. Backing dancers and I everything, would, I mate. I would fucking love to have seen that. Was I with Bellew at that point? Who was I with at that point? I was sitting with someone who's a massive Roy Jones fan. Who was he? Uh, and they were like, what the fuck are you watching? And I'm like, I'm, I am watching Roy Jones rapping live on stage with backup dancers who were sparring. To Russians. To Russians, yeah. But he's in there, though, isn't he? Roy Jones has spent a lot of time in Russia the last few years. He's, he's, he's a bit of a Putin puppet. Well, I, exactly. I was doing a little bit of research on why he was out there. He's actually a Rus- Russian he's a resident. Yeah, he's a resident. Yeah. He's got citizenship. Um, the other fella's the same, isn't he? Steven Seagal. Yeah. Russian, Russian uh, citizenship. Yeah, yeah. They spend loads of time out there. Weird, man. Weird. Roy Jones Jr. Can't be touched. Y'all must have forgot. Coming, coming to a cinema near you. <laughs> Um, I've no doubt that you stayed up to watch Beefy do his thing in Mexico. Sure did. Send a little message to uh, the likes <laughs> of our Jaime Munguia. You love a little body shot, don't you? And I've no doubt that you're going to spend the next 10 minutes going crazy about it. It was a cracking performance from Beefy. And, uh, you know, at first, I was, when I was speaking to Joe Gallagher before he went out there, I was like, why the fuck are you going to deepest, darkest Mexico? Uh, and he was like, for one reason, you know, El Bifo wants to go out there and make a bit of a statement and try and get this Munguia fight back on or... 
you know, put his name in the frame for whoever and and, and whatever over on that West Coast. So um, to go over there and do the number like he did, I know I know Lozano was a, was no world beater, but he was certainly a gatekeeper to a, a world title fight. So to put that in against a tough Mexican opponent, a solid opponent, to sink in those body shots and get that finish in the tenth, seven good rounds as well. You know that's what Beefy loves. He took he took you know as always he he approached it like it was a world title fight. Goes in there, stands toe to toe. Rips it up, gives the crowd what he wants. I, I just think at the moment, at this moment in time, he looks. He, he seems like he's uh, he's primed to put himself back in the frame. To I don't know whether he'll get that rematch with Mungia, um, because obviously Mungia will be looking to looking to move on his own career rather than to kind of. It would feel like maybe a step backwards, but uh, I know how much Beefy wants that Mungia fight back, just because he he, he wasn't he, even at the even. At, Straight afterwards, he was like, I just wasn't right for this fight. It was a bad day at the office. I would love it back. And he'd had a year off before the exactly. fight. Exactly. Went into it cold, of course. So, mm. John O'Carroll as well, um, getting a victory um, out in Mexico. Nice little card. Yeah, it was. There was some good finishes on there. Um, that Hergovic, did you see that finish? Mm-hmm. The big uh, the big heavyweight. I'll be honest, I know... Um, I know they're building this Hergovic up to be something, aren't they? Match room, they're kind of selling him as a as a as a bit of a unit and a bit of a player in this heavyweight division moving forward into the next five years. I think Dubois would fucking absolutely smash him to bits right now. I think he's a big he's a big old robot to me. He's a, he's a very much a you know that Eastern European heavyweight style, Klitschko style, but just not as dynamic. You know, he's just all about the, the jab and the and the, and the backhand, right? Mm. To be honest, if I was David Price, I'd be like, fucking get me him. Get me that Hergovic. I'd, I'd take that scalp all day. Uh, I just think he's primed at the moment. I didn't think the, the guy beat was, was up to much. and uh, I just wasn't that impressed with him at all. There's some good finishes on there, though. So mm. It was a decent build. Uh, speaking of Mexicans, it's now confirmed. December the 7th, I know that they had a press conference, um, but Andy Ruiz was having none of it. He wanted a, a few more uh, quid. Cheddar fucking ching. Cha-ching, ching, 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 ching. Social media makes me laugh, right? When Them things white like Rolls Royces don't pay for themselves. They so. don't, they don't. Um, social media makes me laugh when things are like this are happening because everybody, you know, they're all jumping down various people's necks going, he signed a contract, he has to fight. Well, no, actually he doesn't because... He's got the leverage. He's yep. got what everybody wants. And the clock is ticking on various mandatory situations. So he has played, him or his team, Al Heyman, have played an absolute blinder. Yes, they were contracted in the rematch to get $9 million. We're being told that it's uh, millions more that he's now getting paid. And he signed it off. As you've seen on his social media, December the 7th, he'll be heading out to uh, Saudi Arabia to take on uh, Anthony Joshua. Um in that uh, in that rematch, and I'm, do you know something? The eyes of the world are going to be on this fight. After what happened in the first fight, the eyes of the world are going to be on this. Can the little Mexican do it again, or can Anthony Joshua right all those wrongs, those psychological wrongs for whatever whatever was going on in New York? Are they still there? If they're not, you'd probably back AJ to regain his belts. But that's the thing. There's lots of jeopardy. There's lots of questions hanging over both men's heads. Yeah, there is. Of course, there is, and. Um... To be honest, I'm. It's still, I'm still trying to get my head around the fact it's in Saudi Arabia because yes, they're going there for one reason: it's money. Yeah. That's the only reason they're going to Saudi Arabia. One, it's it's money and it's neutral. Um, but it's, I don't think neutral counts. I think it's just money. Somewhat, yeah. The, the, the Saudi government have come in and they said, "Yeah, we'll pay a, a huge site fee, multi multi millions for a site fee, which is unheard of." And that's the only reason that they're out there, isn't it? Yeah, they're trying to turn the UAE, aren't they, into into a real tourist destination, full stop. So, um, 
but they're two hours ahead of us in the UK. You know, so if it's midnight in Saudi, it means it'll be a say it's a ten o'clock ring walk, a midnight ring walk in Saudi, which makes it a ten p.m. prime time ring walk for the UK box office, mm-hmm. which means it'll be a five p.m. Saturday afternoon in New York ring walk in New York, and then three and is it two o'clock in the two afternoon. o'clock in the afternoon ring walk in Los Angeles, a lunchtime fight in Los Angeles and Mexico and whatever else. So it, it's a it's the timing is weird. Um, in that regard, because AJ, the whole point of AJ walking away from 90,000 sellout arenas to go and fight at Madison Square Garden was to announce himself to the American audience and become a household name in America and obviously to 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 move towards a unification fight with Deontay Wilder. And this feels like a step backwards away from that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Let's just go and get the belt back in, in, in Saudi Arabia and then we'll we'll try this American we'll try the American voyage again kind of thing. Um so for that reason it feels a little bit weird. But listen, spend the time I think being around Bellew last week, obviously he's a massive AJ fan, the pals, whatever. I, I don't know what the relationship's like, but obviously he's a massive AJ fan. And chatting to him about it both on, on during the show and, and afterwards and stuff, he was he had no qualms whatsoever he was like well listen he's, for one it's not a question he's got to do it he's got to fight Ruiz there's, there's no other option but two he got caught like Bellew was just adamant got caught scrambled him got caught with that temple shot never cleared his head don't worry about it he won't do it again second time that was a that was a lottery punch and I'm like hey a lottery punch fucking hell but he's adamant it was a lottery punch and he's like listen get your mortgage on AJ getting them belts back in our Saudi Arabia and doing a number on uh, on Andy Ruiz I'm not as confident. Neither am I. Exactly. That's what I mean. I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, but <clears throat> but he agreed with my kind of th- ideal that Ruiz is a fighting man and AJ isn't a fighting man. And that's kind of the difference. When a fighting man gets hurt, he bites down his gum shield and he fucking swings away. Whereas an athlete questions why he's in there. He gets that. But he was like, nah, it's just a temple shot. Don't worry about it. It was a lottery punch and they move forward. So... I don't know, man. It, it it certainly makes it all more intriguing. I'm certainly after spending time around Bellew, he's convinced me. Oh shit! Okay, wait a minute. You know, I'm not I'm not as quick to write AJ off as I was before. Where previously I was like, fucking, do not get in with Andy Ruiz again. Mm. But then uh, you know, Andy Ruiz is going to have a full camp this time, and you know, for, uh, and we've all seen his social media, the white the white walls, Royce, the fucking big, huge like villa, come mansion thing that he's bought. He hasn't had time enough yet to get used to those silk sheets for it to be com- comfortable. Mm. At the moment, Ruiz is feeling that world. He's having a taste of that high life and he's going, I fucking love this. I want this forever. This is Popeye's chicken on tap for the rest <laughs> of my life. He hasn't had that period of living that lifestyle enough for it to soften him, I don't think. I think he'll work twice as hard because he's had a taste of the high life now. He's having a taste of the money. The money he'll get in Saudi Arabia will set him, his family, his grandkids up for life, no doubt. We're probably talking, you know, $15 million plus. He's probably got a cut of the cut of the pay-per-view, whatever. He's if got I, the Mexican pay-per-view, I think. Yeah, and, and that'll be huge because, you know, he's a fucking superstar in Mexico now. So I, I think it's the fight after this I'd be more concerned about Ruiz because... Ruiz's physicality suggests he's lazy. He's lazy. So once you fill his bank account up, once you take that desire away, that kid is fucking, you know, 
half a dozen Kentucky meals away from fucking diabetes, let's be honest. And when his bank account is overflowing, which it's about to become soon, Ruiz will become a target because he won't be getting up at six in the morning, he won't be working as hard, and he won't keep those belts. If he beats AJ, if he beats AJ, I guarantee he's not champion by summer 2020, and I guarantee by the end of 2020, you'll be saying Andy Ruiz who? Because he won't need the money. He'll be gone. He'll be fucking Prince Naz the way. But I think... This is still a, this is the most dangerous time to face Andy Ruiz Jr. That he can it's close enough for him to taste it, but it's not close enough for him to to relax on his laurels and to enjoy the high life just yet. Mm. I think he will turn up in Saudi Arabia and he will fucking throw everything at AJ. And if AJ's getting his brain scrambled by a temple shot, then he ne- AJ needs to be ready to go to the well. And I mean to the well like he's never gone before. I still truly believe that. Uh, Triple G's teamed up with uh, Eddie Earn, hasn't he, for uh, a three-fight deal. We know that he's going to be fighting Derry Vianchenko. Obviously, at the weekend, with what was happening with Anthony Yard and uh, Sergei Kovalev, it's a little bit of a weird situation to be in that uh, a light heavyweight world title fight can determine what the middleweight champion of the world does next. Yeah. Uh, we fully anticipate that Canelo and Kovalev will be the next dance, which then opens up the middleweight division. What happens in that middleweight division? We know that uh, Triple G is going to fight Derry Vianchenko. That's for the vacant IBF belt. Then you've got a situation. What happens with Bubu Andrade? Does he fight Billy Joe Saunders? I don't think you can do anything else, can you? I know that Billy Joe Saunders is the super middleweight champion, the WBO super middleweight champion, so there'll be loads of people listening to this going, we want to see Smith, we want to see Smith. Of course we want to see Smith, but what makes the most amount of business sense from mm-hmm. a Billy Joe Saunders point of view? Where's the bigger fights? Where's the bigger money? The bigger money is Triple G and it's Canelo. That's where it's at. Yeah. So how does he get to that point? He gets to that point by... Getting a belt back, his old belt back, fighting Bubu Andrade, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'd like to see him move back down to middleweight because there's big fights there for him. And as you say, strictly from a, a British business perspective, keeping Canelo post Kovalev free to move down and fight Callum Smith and keeping Billy Joe Saunders in the frame to take on Triple G is how you're going to maximise their income. Mm. Can Callum Smith versus Billy Joe Saunders is a UK fight it's not an American fight it's not an American pay-per-view it doesn't make American dollars it just makes British probably it's it's a British pay-per-view fight for sure but it do, you're not making American dollars there at all whereas if both those guys can be pushed in opposite directions there's career best paydays for both of them against Canelo and Triple G and then who knows down the line because I, f- I fancy Callum Smith against Can- Canelo and I fancy Billy Joe Saunders against Triple G mm. I think they've both got real good chances there so potentially down the line, fuck me, then they come back for a... Then you've got a, a big super fight between two Brits. But I think to bring them together now stunts one of their potential earnings. One of them is going to miss... Is, is Becomes... Steps back down to a C-level fighter. So is there any... Defeat. Is there any reason? Because we know that the Canelo and Andrade negotiations, that was going to happen next yeah. if it wasn't going to be Kovalev for, for Canelo. Now that that's not happening, Andrade needs an opponent. Billy Joe Saunders has signed with Matchroom. For me, there's no reason why that can't happen. All these people will talk about exposure fights and maybe a warm-up fight, maybe a tune-up and all that type of stuff. We're talking about Billy Joe Saunders for crying out loud. Get him in the gym, get him fit, and let's get this thing rocking. Let's not procrastinate anymore. We've done that far too often over the last three years. Since he beat Andy Lee, I say it all the time. We were all going crazy. This is the guy, this is the guy. We've had one performance in that three years against David Lemieux. The rest of it has been absolutely diabolical. Loads of stuff outside the ring as well, which has been ridiculous. Let's get on with it. Let's get focused and let's get active at the top, top level. 
he's a big he's a big game fighter, isn't he? You know, that's what he's the best in Billy Joe Saunders. He needs the big opponents, he needs the big the big high profile opportunities. And I think to even announce Andrade now would make sense for Matchroom to go, okay. Canelo's doing his own thing. We're going to do two semi-finals to see who's the best middleweight on the planet with it with Canelo Awol. So you've got Triple G, Davlinchenko, yeah. and we've got Bubu Andrade versus Billy Joe Saunders. They're going to fight each other before the end of the year and early 2020, around the same time that, you know, before Canelo fights uh, Kovalev, these guys are going to go head-to-head to see who's the number one middleweight. And then post-Kovalev, there's a perfect opponent then well, for I reckon, Canelo to come back down to. I reckon Canelo Kovalev will happen before Christmas this year. I reckon it'll happen, they're talking November, October, that Canelo's going to be back, and I won't be surprised if it is Kovalev. So he's going to, you know that he fights in May. So May would be either a Billy Joe Saunders or a Triple G rematch. Whoever wins this middleweight tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. It would definitely make sense. Mm. Uh, speaking of tournaments, uh, the World Boxing Super Series final, ladies and gentlemen, seems to be back on. Um, they've dug deep, they've paid the man, and Regis Progres looks like he's uh, he's back in the tournament to unify the division against our boy Josh Taylor. I spoke to uh, Shane McGuigan at the back end of last week as we were building up towards uh, Luke Campbell and Vasil Lomachenko, and Josh Taylor was knocking about in Wandsworth, so we had a little bit of a, uh, a chinwag about it. October 26th in London, uh, they're 99% sure that it's going to be that day and it's going to be uh, it's going to be that fight it's a hell of a fight we don't want that fight to fall off because it's an absolute barnstormer isn't it absolutely it is you know when I was chatting to uh, when you were away I was chatting to Robbie Davis Jr. about it and he was like you know um, absolutely 100% I would love to fight the winner I would love to be in the frame for that and I've just got to make sure that if Josh Taylor wants a homecoming after unifying the belts that I'm the guy that makes the most sense so I think everyone in the division kind of feels that way um mm. The uh, obviously Jack Catterall has been, even though he's number one contender, he's been told now that he's not going to be fighting for the belt next. There's two mandatories on Ramirez, so therefore yeah. he's got to take care of his WBC one before the WBO one. So, but apparently he's, he's defending his WBC belt and Catterall's chief support over in the US. That's good on that bill, because ready to fight, yeah. ready to face the winner. So at least Jack's in the frame. But again, it's like Jack Catterall, Robbie Davis Jr. You're trying to position. British guys to get these opportunities because these deserve because they deserve them. So, but Josh Taylor versus Regis Progress remains the biggest fight in the whole division, and the winner fighting Ramirez down the line is just like ugh, unreal, mm. absolutely unreal. Mm. Uh, this week, there's a certain Vasil Lomachenko in town. He's taking on uh, Luke Campbell at the O2 Arena. There's some nice uh, fights on the undercard as well, which we're going to get stuck into. But let's just get straight to the main event, man. Um, spent a little bit of time in Luke's company. Last week, he's relaxed, he's confident, but we've been here before with many, many fighters at this stage of uh, of camp. Listen, the guy's an Olympic gold medalist, so therefore pedigree is not even in question. We know how good this kid is. We saw him in with Linares, and if there's another round in that Linares fight, he might end up winning it, but he didn't. I'm sure that the experiences of fighting Linares and coming up short have given him a lot of uh, learns of which he can take into this particular fight, but he's fighting a freak of nature. It's not a normal fighter. It's not a normal guy. I appreciate that he's maybe a natural featherweight or a natural super featherweight, uh, Vasil Lomachenko, but that's not phased him before. He's always been fighting bigger guys. He's always been fighting longer guys. He's always been fighting stronger guys, and he finds a way. And I can't, and this pains me to say because I love Luke Campbell, I think he's a top kid, I I really wish that he can do the business on Saturday night and give us one of those moments that we talk about for years and years and years to come. But I just can't see it happen. I just think that Vasil Lomachenko will find a way and get this job done inside the distance as well. 
Yeah, I um, you know against anybody else, you would you would obviously be <clears throat> backing Luke to do it because he's you know he's been to the top of the trees, he's been he's fought at the highest level, he's put in brilliant performances. You know, he was probably a couple of rounds short, wasn't he, of beating Linares anyway? If he doesn't get put down, it's it's that's what I mean. If, thin. If, if it's a fifteen round fight, he wins that fight. You know, he was coming on really strong, so. Um, but the problem is that Lomachenko is just a freak, you're right, he's the Matrix, you know, it's, this guy is probably, technically this guy could be the greatest boxer of all time, which is how, why he was how, urging right. everyone to get down to London this weekend, it'll be incredible. How does, then, right, how does, how should Luke approach this fight on Saturday night? What are the tactics going into it, knowing what you know about Lomachenko? What does he not like? Um, what does he not like? Fucking hell. For me, if you look at that second fight against Salido, which he lost, right? Yeah. It's, it's hard a, to look at that, Doc. Yeah, no. Two fight novice. Yeah. Well, two fight pro novice, yeah. But it's an ugly fight. It's an aggressive fight. It's a fight where he's being constantly pushed back. It's a bit of rough, bit of tumble. That's what, at this moment in time, that's the only thing we've got to cling on to that Lomachenko doesn't Any like. Any kind me. of blueprint. Yeah. But that's not Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell's not that guy. Luke Campbell's a slick southpaw, Olympic gold medalist, yep. off the back foot, lovely counter-attacks. That's made for Lomachenko. And he's a big, tall dude, so there's a lot of real estate to get stuck into in that uh, in the nether regions area. Yeah, and don't forget as well, um, Nicholas Walters, Jason Sosa. These are guys that are big hitters, guys that like to put it on you, and they tried to put it on Lomachenko. They tried to Couldn't follow that, that blueprint that Salido put down. It was just about the fact that, you know, Salido turned up, didn't make weight, and just fought the fight ugly, and Lomachenko being a, a pro novice just kind of got outworked at times. But it, it's one of them with Lomachenko, it's kind of like his amateur career. You know, you beat him once and he'll come back and beat you twice, twice as much convincingly. And it's yeah. and it's not it's not a secret that they've offered Salido an absolute fortune to get back inside the ring with Lomachenko yeah. uh for this for the rematch so he can avenge it and Salido doesn't want a piece of it. He's he's got no intentions whatsoever because he wants to dine out for the rest of his life as the only guy to beat Lomachenko. That whenever everyone I've spoken to about this, because obviously this is the, such a hot topic of conversation, because every boxer um wants to talk about Lomachenko. They want to talk about him because they're so impressed with him. They want to talk about his technical abilities, his footwork, his hand speed, his ring IQ. Every fighter waxes lyrical as soon as you mention the name Lomachenko. And every single one have said, so how can Luke Campbell beat him then? And everyone has been scratching their heads. The problem is he doesn't make mistakes. The problem is he do- there's no clear flaws in his game. When he switches, Bell, you were saying when he switches from southpaw to orthodox and, and vice versa, there's a split second there where he's square where you can't catch him. Now that's how that's that, what that, Linares. That's did. how Linares caught him. But even when Linares caught him, it was a flash knockdown. He's yeah. straight back up. He wasn't hit. We've never really seen Lomachenko hit. That's the problem. We've never seen him struggle. We've never seen his legs go. We've never seen him need to retreat into a corner. We've never seen him. Now, no doubt he has been hit. He has been. He's took a decent shot in there, but he's got such a strong poker face. But it's his legs, you know, everything comes back to his legs. Mm-hmm. His footwork is so good that he drowns you. He slowly takes you into the deep end without you even knowing, and he drowns you. Now, for Luke Campbell to beat Lomachenko this weekend would would surpass Anthony Yard beating Kovalev for me. Mm. It would surpass... Well, this is, for me, this is Donald Curry, Lloyd Hunnigan's situation. Because we're but talking... on home turf, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on home turf. We're talking pound <clears throat> for pound, number one in the world. Uh, against a lad that's most certainly earned the opportunity, 
Um, but that's the magnitude that I'm that I'm thinking of if he manages to pull this off at the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, at this point in time, I just want to see Luke Campbell win a round. I'd like to see Luke Campbell win a round because I'd like to see Lomachenko under pressure, real pressure. I'd like to see Lomachenko forced to go in through the gears, fifth, sixth gear, not not just do it when he likes, not just because he control. You know he's going to do that, though. You know that Lomachenko's going to come out, he's going to have a look, and then he's going to go, right, I'll put a bit of a party on for everybody for about a couple of rounds, and, and then, then I'm going to take the kid out. And then I'll put my foot down. That's what he's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> he is. And, and you know what? Yeah. I'm, su- I'm super excited about it as well. Obviously, I, c- I can't wait to see Lomachenko. It's been so long since I've seen him box live. <laughs> I was... Uh... For those that don't know, go on. <laughs> You might as well. People are expecting the story this week. <laughs> the long-time people that have been with us for the last three, four years, they know that you want to tell a greenback story. As, as you know, I had it. As you know. As you know. No, as you know. Oh, as I know, yeah. I can't disclose who it was, but I will in the future. But I had a uh, a bit of a VIP in, with, with me on Friday. I was driving around. <clears throat> oh, right, and, yeah, I'll, yeah. and I'll release that when we can. But... Uh, Long story short, we ended up driving past Greenbank Sports Centre. You didn't tell the and story. And I was like, well, see that little sports centre there with like the six-car car park? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I seen Vassal Lomachenko box there for the first time. 2008. <laughs> just seen the colour drain out of his face. Like, oh, fuck's sake, here we go. But uh, it's just mad looking back now. I like to think, Jesus Christ. He was, uh, to think how far he's come. And how technically mm. sound he is. Even then, though, even then it was it was special. Even then, he was something a bit special. But to to have stuck on this path to is testament to Lomachenko and Papachenko as dad that they've built this absolute winning machine. This almost close to perfection boxer. Mm. You know, they they took the fundamentals and taken it to the new level. His hand speed, his footwork, his shot selection. Do anything against anyone. Beat people at their own game. Fundamentally, this guy could be the greatest of all time. Technically, he could be the greatest of all time. And that's, you know, part of the reason why I'm just super excited on Saturday. It's unfortunate that I feel like we're going to get to the O2 on Saturday night and Lomachenko, the Ukrainian, coming to fight a Brit mm. to, for, a multiple, for three world title belts is probably going to get a bigger cheer than the Brit, yeah. who's a gold medalist, by the way. And that's no knock on Luke Campbell. I think Luke Campbell needs to realise that Fight fans are coming out in force to see this guy because there's so much energy behind Lomachenko. But I, th- I think if Luke Campbell can establish anything early oh, the in the fight, team. it'll go wild. A hundred percent. I want that. I yeah, want to see 100%. Luke Campbell put it on. I want to see Lomachenko dropped, hit, in trouble. Yeah. Campbell on top. I agree. But I still want to see Lomachenko turn it round because I'm quite selfish. It's like John Jones in UFC or you know Mike Tyson from just I was only a kid really when Tyson was I wasn't I wasn't a journalist. But you want the guy, do you, to be your either? I think do you? Yeah, I, I do. I'm quite selfish. I like want that. I want I want Luke Campbell to pull off something because that's what's the beauty of sport for me. Absolutely. Like for example, right? I know that you're going to hate me speaking about this, but the cricket, right? This weekend. I watched the... No, you watched cricket! What the fuck? Yes, you did. No, I seen your tweet. Yeah? So, after, last night after the old Peaky, because, you know, Peaky yeah, Blinders yeah, yeah. came back. You watched the highlights? She went to bed, so I thought, go on then. Let's see what everyone's getting Mate, excited about. It was outrageous, wasn't it? It did look, you know, some of them shots he was playing, I've never seen cricket shots like that There before. you go. Right, so th- th- this is the beauty of sport. So, the, 
two days previous to that in the cricket, yeah. every man and his dog. I mean, we I were doing radio shows all weekend, and people were ringing in that show, and they were saying, "Oh, England are beat. That's it. They've lost this. Over. They've lost that. It's all. It's all over." There's two days left. England have still got to bat, but it's lost. And then this one guy comes out, swashbuckles it all over the place, and pulls off the most unbelievable thing and surprises the whole world. Nobody, nobody picked it. Yeah. And this is where we're at now with Lomachenko at the weekend. We're all sat here. Any person that is listening to this knows what Lomachenko is all about. And they're all going, well, we're all turning up to go and watch Lomachenko at the weekend. He's going to put on a great performance. And then we can say when we're old and grey, we saw Lomachenko live. We yeah. saw him do the business. We saw him unify the lightweight division. That great, that great boxer from yesteryear. I yeah. get what you're saying. But from my point of view, the beauty of sport is we all sit here and we all think one thing and then something totally different happens. At the weekend, Kovlev, we knew would outbox Anthony Yard. In the eighth round, I'm on my knees screaming at the TV Me going, it's a, lay it, lay it on him, son, because we're going to see something quite unbelievable. Yeah. Andy Ruiz beating Anthony Joshua. Nobody saw that. No. Nobody saw that coming. This, at the weekend, I would absolutely love it if Luke Campbell pulled this off and flattened Lomachenko. I'd love it. Why would you not? Why would you want Lomachenko to turn over our guy? He's our guy. Luke's yeah. a top boy. I know, but me and Laman and buddies, aren't we? We're BFFs. <laughs> yeah. Been besties since European Championships 2008. So he's your guy. He's my guy, yeah. He's my guy. It, and it's, listen, I get I get stick online all the time for just supporting, blindly supporting British boxers, but hey-ho. But in this case, I'm, 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 I'm firmly in the Ukrainian's corner because I truly believe in greatness and I want the greatest technical boxer in the history of the sport to be of my era. So in... When I am a great grandfather, I can reminisce about Greenbank Sports Centre in 2008. Yeah, but you could also say I was there the night that he got flattened off Luke Campbell. <laughs> there you go. Takes the edge off, though, doesn't it? It does take a little bit of the edge off. Uh, if you go into it um, this weekend, should we arrange a little bit of a do? Yeah, man. We'll uh, arrange a little bit of a mix. So, keep basically, <laughs> follow us on Instagram yeah. at The Fight Disciples. And once we've uh, decided where we're going to go and have a, a pre match pint or whatever it may be, We'll stick it on there and then just come and join us and we'll have a little bit of a, a get-together and a little bit of a crack in uh, before, we go and, before we go and watch some of this card because there's some decent fights on this card. Bawatsi's going to be Bawatsi. We know that. I think Charlie Edwards is in a hell of a fight. Yeah, me too, yeah. The kid that he's fighting against has got serious steel in his fists. Yeah. And if he's, if he's even just remotely... I mean, I spoke to him at the weekend. He seems laser-focused, does Charlie. But if he's even remotely distracted by, you know... What may be happening down the line with unifications or the crowd being his crowd now, this kid could put him to kit because he he hits very, very hard, this Mexican. He does, yeah. It's a hell of a fight. Absolutely hell of a fight. And uh, on this fight as well, people who listen to Fight Disciples regularly might remember last year when I had the referee Mark Lyson on the show. Uh, Mark told us all about his story about being from Liverpool, growing up in America, coming back, getting his referee's licence. He's obviously one of the one of the premier referees in the UK at the moment. Mark texted me this week and was like, uh, on the show, because he said, all I've got to do next is get a world title fight. I would love to referee He's a this world one? title fight. He's refereeing the Charlie Oh, magnificent. So a massive moment for Mark Lyson. Sometimes as well, I think, you know, we don't realise what a big moment it is for the British referees yes. or the officials involved to be, wow, I'm actually going to ref a WBC world title fight on home soil. And Massive moment too, yeah. for Mark as well. So I'll be watching this one uh, a little bit extra closely. I'll be watching all three guys in the ring for this one. But Martinez is the guy, by the way, that beat Andrew Selby. This is, this yes. is well, I mean, Andrew Selby, everybody knows, it, we're, we're all going crazy. He's the next big thing in this particular division. Martinez is the guy that beat him. Yeah. Um, so this is a hell of a fight at the weekend. 
It is a hell of a fight. It's really up against it, Charlie Edwards. I think the one thing going for us um, is the fact that Martinez, yes, he has got crazy heavy hands and the Selby thing did concern me, but we don't know if he travels. I think he's, this is the first time he's ever boxed yeah. outside of Mexico. So the London crowd, London as a city, will need to play a bit of a part on Saturday because Martinez will walk to the ring for the first time as the outsider and he needs to be... He needs to be, you know, he needs that to be quite clear. He needs Charlie Edwards' fans to be going absolutely ballistic because I think Charlie's going to need the London fans more than ever to pull him through this. But you know what? The way these Edward boys are going, I, I certainly wouldn't bet against it either. It could be a fight of the year contender. Yeah, it should be an absolute cracker. What else is catching your eye there, mate? Um, Boazzi, of course. Cordina, of course. You know, these are two guys with so much potential. Uh, Cordina, British title fight against uh, Gavin Gwynn, who's an undefeated guy as well. So, um, no doubt he won't have to go looking for Gavin there. And, you know, a little bit disappointed with Boati's opponent, Ryan Ford, um, who at one time looked like he could potentially do something the big Canadian, but I don't think he's strung two wins together for a while. So, um, I think he was NABO champion at one stage in his career. Mm. But I think uh, Boati will be out there looking to make statements, especially in light of. Last week's light heavyweight uh, main event getting so many headlines. I think Buatzi will be looking to make a bit of a statement here. And it wouldn't surprise me if Buatzi started calling a few people out as well. Buatzi, as you, as you touched on earlier, Buatzi against Kovalev would be a very different story mm. than what we've just seen last weekend. What about that heavyweight clash? It's a weird one because I don't want it to... <clears throat> it's hard to talk about this fight without talking about drugs. Okay. Because there's been, you know... Numerous drug busts, numerous drug problems here. But I don't want to talk about drugs because I seem to be getting fucking tons of stick on social media constantly about drugs now because I'm seemingly the only person, because you're away, seemingly the only person in the public eye still talking about fucking drug testing and whatever else. And I can't say one thing without pissing off one group and I can't say the so other without pissing off then. the others now. So, so what's pissing people off? Um, <clears throat> people just... I think people are just kind of saying, oh, you know... Um, You've got you because there's two type of boxing fan at the moment, isn't there? There's the, there's the guys who are fucking basically saying, right, that's it. Dillian White's career is over. He's a fucking serial drug cheat. Let's get him out the sport. He's finished. How can they say that though? Because they don't have any facts. But then there's the other cor- the other corner over here, who are saying, please let us see some facts. Please let us see some information, and then let's the let's, sensible ones. Let's get let's get you know. Make a decision then where yeah, we yeah. should be out. Because that's what we do. We wait for facts, well, that's then a, we make a decision. That's well, yeah, what most people well, over do. Over the weekend... Let's hope those people are never doing jury service, eh? Let, they just rock in and go, he's guilty, I want to go for my lunch. Yeah, there you go, well, end of. The, over the weekend, someone described me as a gutter journalist because I hadn't said Dillian White should be thrown out of sport because but, I was saying Dillian White deserves his moments, deserves the chance to clear his name. Yeah, but that's what we do, don't we? <laughs> we, we allow people to speak and then we make our opinion. Exactly. Isn't that not what we do? Well, obviously, gutter journalist, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> because, because, because you're actually doing your job yeah yeah <laughs> right i'm waiting for the facts but i'm a gutter journalist right go on <coughs> it's uh thomas housler's got a lot to answer for so the facts are we don't have anything at this moment in time official no. one thing that we have been very very consistent of and i was delighted that when you had that conversation with tony he said a very similar thing our gripe at this moment in time factually is ukad that whole system is flawed and needs amending massively. Whether the British Boxing Board of Control continue their relationship with them, whether they look for a new tester, whatever, this whole system, and I'm sure we all agree, is absolutely, systematically flawed. It needs totally blowing up and starting again. Yeah. That's fact. 
everything else. We don't know. We blood, don't know what Dillian's done because be they've done. not told us. Blood testing can be done in 48 hours, I've been told, by numerous clinics now. Any blood can be tested within four, within 48 hours. That's that's perfectly reasonable. But then when you hear Bellew talking about stuff like UKAD contacting him in June this year yeah. after he officially retired in November. Yeah. In June this year, saying you've got to fill in your whereabouts Isn't forms, it? otherwise you'll be ticked as a non as a non-test and all that shit. It is just diabolical. Well, here's another one for you. This week, obviously, you know that Luke Campbell and Vasily Lomachenko are fighting. I was I again had this conversation with Luke and Shane about a very similar thing. You've got to fill in, obviously, on your form your whereabouts, where you're going to be at certain times, so therefore they can rock up, knock on, say, right, we're doing a test and what yeah. have you. So Luke's filled in his forms. I'll be at this place at nine o'clock. They're rocking up at five in the morning, six in the morning. And he's like, well, you, you, you phoned me yesterday. You said you're coming at nine o'clock. Why have you, why have you come early? Well, we're here now. So let's get on with it. It just seems to be like they're not over the, the sport of boxing. They're just testers yeah. is what they are. They don't really, they're not boxing people. Don't understand the sport. They don't understand the sport, exactly. No. Whereas Varda are purely set up for boxing and get what that situation is. Whereas UKAD are the testing athletes, the testing swimmers, the testing this, that and the other. Yeah. And... The whole process of testing someone, waiting a month for the results, giving them a year for B samples, it's just a mess. The whole thing is a mess and we need more clarity. It just needs to be, it, it doesn't need to be this difficult. Well, I just don't understand why they're making it so difficult. You know, if someone has a, someone takes a test, it should be reported on within 48 hours and within 72 hours, they should, everybody involved should be informed. And then a decision should be made. I, I'm still upset why it's UKAD that enforced the punishment, to be honest with you. I still think the British Boxing Board of Control need to put their big daddy pants on and take control of that. UKAD should say to them, listen, this guy's failed for this. It's up to you what you do, Ian. Our recommendation, what yeah. we do in athletics, what we do in swimming, <clears throat> that guy would be banned for two years, but it's up to you. You're the British Boxing Board of Control. We work for you. And the British Boxing Board of Control should go right these are our guidelines. As per UKAD and as per information from WADA, this is what we're going to do. If you fail for Nandrolone first time, two-year ban. If you fail for Nandrolone a second time, anything over five milligrams, which the doctors are saying, anything over five milligrams is not pulsing. It's not a residual in his system. Five milligrams, anything above that means it's fucking in his system. Because I think this is what the whole argument's going to come down to with Dillian White. One, he did the VADA test around the same time and it was perfectly clear. He's passed all his VADA tests. The UKAD test were led to believe by, by a journalist. No official statements exactly. as of yet, but the journalist has led to believe that he's got a two forms of... What, what Dianabol. Dianabol in his system, but at real microscopic levels. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if it's in there, it's in there. I want to know why it's in there. But I also need to know, because we're having this conversation in UFC at the moment around John Jones and that pictograms. A pictogram is so minuscule yeah, in yeah. size, it, it means nothing. It could be something that is from a fucking cup of coffee or whatever. It's so minuscule. And the argument it, the UFC are having is, why are we testing down to, to pictograms? Yeah. Pictograms are so... You could inhale a pictogram of something and it could go just be lucky, unlucky that it's in that vial of blood. We don't need that level. We need to set a line and go, anything above this is clearly you've put something in your system. That's the problem with fans. And listen, nobody wants to clear... I'm fucking arguing people on social media all the time. Nobody wants fight sports cleaner more than me. Honestly, I would. anyone who's a clear cheat should be thrown out. But I also think that if you've been a victim of circumstance or bad testing or 
test them to too short a level that you've got no point way of passing it, then I think that needs sorting out as well because I don't want to just ruin someone's life based on the fact that the 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 testing is is wrong or yeah, incorrect. Yeah. Dillian White doesn't deserve that or a another. Or you know what? If Dillian White if comes out and he is fucking juiced up, then get him out the sport. I'm not asked. Dillian White doesn't owe me anything. I want the sport to be safe. But he also, he just deserves his day in court, effectively. He deserves the opportunity to clear his name. Mm. That's the only place I'm at right now. And people go, ah, oh, you fucking went to town on Canelo. Yeah, he failed two tests blatantly. And his punishment was a six-month ban. That's why I went to town on Canelo. Not necessarily Canelo, even. The people who decided six months was sufficient for the double-time drug testing. People don't listen. People people just hear what they want to hear. Yeah, no. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, so on this fight, then, Huey <laughs> <laughs> Fury against uh, Alexander Povetkin. It's a it's a risky risky fight this for Huey Fury. Um, we know what Povetkin can do. I just hope that at some point in this fight that Huey Fury trusts his own ability, trusts his power, doesn't try to just get through twelve rounds and pot shot and and because the, listen, there is an entertainment factor to this sport. He has to give us something in this division of heavyweights. He's got to take this moment now grab the mantle, make us all stand up and go, well, hang on a minute, I want to see him in with certain people now because he's just taken Povetkin to pieces. We know Povetkin's only been stopped by AJ, mm-hmm. so this is the moment. This is the moment now where Hubie Fury's got to give us something, I think. The, the problem is I don't think Hubie's a big enough puncher. I don't think Hubie's able to stop Povetkin. Is that because he doesn't trust it? Because he doesn't dig his toes in at any point, really, in a fight, does he? He doesn't show us. When no. when when he when he's confident enough to when he's fighting someone that he thinks well this guy can't hurt me, I'll I'll let it go he gets him out of there he, I just think at the top level you've got to do that at some point you've got to dig your toes in and go no but it's the this is the this is the Fury fighting style though isn't it you know don't don't kid yourself Tyson doesn't get in there and dig his toes in against Klitschko or against Wilder or mm. against any of the, yeah. the big world title fights yeah fair point <clears throat> it's a one thing doing it against Tony Schwartz it's another thing doing it against Vladimir Klitschko he didn't do that against Klitschko. He had bamboozled Klitschko and, 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 you know, won rounds to win the fight. And I think he did the same thing against Deontay Wilder. No point was Wilder rocking. At no. no point was Wilder hit. And this is just the way the Fury's fighting style is. The best thing that can happen for Huey Fury is that this goes the distance. Cause I'm I think funny. He's got a chance. What's going on with your voice? <coughs> <laughs> Bank holiday weekend, son. <coughs> you enjoy yourself? I've got these. Probably shouldn't talk about it on air, actually. I'll leave it. We'll talk about it off air. But a mate of mine sent me something from Canada, so... Has he? Um, <laughs> it's kept me busy most of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of Huey Fury... Are you he, bringing him out on the weekend? Yeah. Are you dishing him out? <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you meet us on Saturday night. It's going to be a right night. Lomachenko's going to look fast as fuck. <laughs> you will go into the Matrix. <laughs> All ones and zeros. Uh Huey Fiori's just got to, he's got to do what Fiori's do, and that's just win rounds. And unfortunately, against Pavekin, I think Pavekin's quite long in the tooth, and he think he still carries a little bit of power. The reason I started on drugs is because, and I, and I did, and I what <laughs> talking about PDs, sorry, right. is <laughs> is the fact that I'd spoken to Eddie about Pavekin because I was I was annoyed. That we're, you know, we're trying to fucking clean up the sport. We want to get all the yeah. drug cheats out, blah, blah, blah. There is no government And he's body, giving bro. drug cheats their time. And he's giving drug... This is the third or fourth big matchroom bill that Pavekin's been on. Mm. Did Huey Fordy need to fight Pavekin on this bill? No, he didn't, in my opinion. They obviously had this fight lined up for uh, 
the white rhino, didn't he? That's what they've obviously said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reckon you're going to be on this bill in August, and the white rhino is going to fight you. And Pricey went and completely fucked that up. Um, so they've obviously had this opportunity where they've been able to go to Huey. Listen, come and join Matchroom, boom, and you can get there. We'll give you Pavekin. It was too good an opportunity for Huey Fury to turn down. Do we expect this to be the the the, the crown and glory of the night? No. no. To be honest, this is potentially the fight where you go and get yourself a beer, or come and see me. And we'll have some jellies. There you go. Um, make sure you come and join us at the weekend. Follow us on Instagram at the Fight Disciples because we'll keep you up to date with our location on Saturday, so we can have a little bit of a party. Um, at Fight Disciples on Facebook and Twitter are the other social media handles. Be across all that for us. Uh, and if you don't subscribe to us, please do. All you got to do is hit the button, man. Come on. Uh, Fight Disciples on uh, iTunes and on our website. It's fightdisciples.com. It should be an absolute cracking week, and we'll catch you at the weekend. If not, we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.